0: Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution. Today's topic is secondary cooling. Well, We'll also touch a bit on heating for a change. But before we dive into today's topic, let me just thank those of you who have given us feedback and suggested topics. And actually, with today's topic, we'll touch upon a couple of questions that you have raised. I've got company via Teams by my colleague, Jörg Saar, who will tell us more about secondary loops.
1: Hi Jörg, how are you doing today? Hi Jens, Um, I'm fine, thank you. Nothing to complain about. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Jörg,
0: could you please give us a very brief uh, introduction to yourself? Who are
1: you? Uh, yes, okay. yes, of course. Well, yeah, as uh, as you said, my name is Jörg, Jörg Saar. I'm in the global Danfoss applications team of Danfoss Climate Solutions. And um, yeah, then looking into many different applications and one of them is what we talk about here today i hope that was short enough as an intro (laughs) yes absolutely perfect
0: yeah uh the the theme is secondary cooling could you please give us a a a brief uh, let's call it a definition of what is
1: secondary cooling yeah um try to well you have a refrigeration system and that produces um in brackets cooling Right, and now you can have that refrigeration sitting uh, system sitting somewhere, but your cooling need is somewhere else, let's say a bit further away from that, and then you have something in between that that transports the cooling from one place to the other, and that's the secondary loop. So you have a second system that transports the cooling. Now, that sounds all very theoretical, that second system could just be cold water and very often is cold water that transports the cooling kind of from one point to another.
0: We had a question the other day about secondary cooling and cascade systems. What is the difference or what, 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 what is a cascade system uh, compared to a secondary cooling system?
1: That's a really good question. Well, as mentioned, the secondary cooling, you have a refrigeration system, and then you have a system that transports the the cooling to another place. Then a cascade system, you have two refrigeration systems sitting on top of each other, and the idea is here to be able to generate a larger or a bigger temperature difference. So if one refrigeration system can do, let's say, 40 Kelvin difference, let's say from plus 20 ambient down to minus 20, but you want to go even further down, then you might sometimes need to put another system below that, another refrigeration system below that, which reduces the temperature even further. So, a cascade is you have refrigeration systems sitting on top of each other and a secondary system is that you have one refrigeration system and then that secondary loop transports the cooling to the place where it is needed.
0: Okay. Let's, let's talk about cascade system another time because let's, let's concentrate on, on, on secondary cooling. Um, Jörg where would you actually uh, use a secondary uh, cooling system?
1: Well, that is always useful when you have, let's say, long distances or, or many, many points where you need your cooling and you don't want to put refrigeration pipes to that place. Let's take an example, you have an office building several levels, many, many rooms or a hotel. Now you could bring a refrigeration pipe to every single room of that hotel or you do all that in water. You bring water pipes to every single room of the hotel and then have, of course, a heat exchanger there that cools the air down in the room. the advantage of sending cold water instead of refrigerant is that now you use far less refrigerant. You can reduce your refrigerant charge to the refrigeration system that produces the cold water and then you send the cooling around using the cold water.
0: Yeah, I see, I see. So actually that, that could be maybe an an, an uh, advantage if we are looking at uh, flammable refrigerants where you would then have your, well, let's call it the primary circuit, uh, sitting outside, for instance, uh, with a condensing unit maybe and a, a short run to a heat exchanger somewhere. Is, is that uh, correct? Is that a, a way forward?
1: That is correct, yes. So if if you have a system or you want to build a system with a flammable refrigerant typically you want to reduce the amount of refrigerant as much as possible so you can build your your system your refrigeration system with the flammable refrigerant pretty compact and then you use the secondary loop to to transport The cooling again i always say cooling i mean everybody knows what what that means hopefully you you transport energy with that one but you transport the cooling so you have a very compact refrigeration system with flammable refrigerant or for example ammonia as well and you don't want to bring ammonia in in every room in the building but you might have an ammonia chiller standing somewhere so you can reduce your refrigerant charge but uh, you need to pay some attention when you do that because there are certain requirements when when you do this. And um, let, let me jump to these requirements if, if that's okay. Absolutely. So if you have a flammable refrigerant in a system that has a secondary loop, then there are standards which kind of... Uh, say, well, you need to pay attention that you do not have that flammable refrigerant in the secondary loop because nobody expects it to be there. Just to make an example, you have a heat pump, and that heat pump is typically connected to a secondary loop, which is your heating water. That heating water flows to your radiators and warms up your house. Now, you don't expect that in your radiator, is a flammable refrigerant. And that's why it is necessary to avoid that the flammable refrigerant can go into the secondary loop and stay there. And then there is that standard, especially for for heat pumps chillers, which is the IEC Mm, 60335-2-40. And that standard then gives a few options how to do that how to avoid that you have flammable refrigerant in the secondary loop um should should we jump into the stand in, into these options briefly yes i think yes 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 let's do that there
0: could also be a few interesting uh, details actually uh, okay. especially with the heat exchangers for instance
1: okay all right well then um, there are one, two, three, four or five uh, options mentioned, but let's go through them. One option is that your secondary loop is a so-called open system. That means it, it has somewhere an open surface to, to the ambient. In old heating systems, that was done that you had a vessel at the highest point of your house that was really open to the atmosphere. Now, if you have refrigerant in your heating water loop to stick with that example it will bubble out there but that's not really really a possibility anymore nowadays usually because heating systems are no longer open they they are usually closed. So let's go to the second option that's a so-called pressurized system that means sticking with the heat pump and the heating system, your your heating water loop needs to withstand a pressure that is higher than the refrigerant pressure. And that means even if you have a leak, now the water pressure is so high that the refrigerant cannot go into the water. Well, good idea, but especially for water loops or heating water loops, that does not work because the pressure requirements are too high. Typical heating water loop is at one to one and a half, maybe four bar. But if you go for propane as a flammable refrigerant, you need 18, 20, 21 bar. And oh. no, no heating water loop can withstand that pressure. Then let's go to the next option. That would be an automated venting valve that would be after your heat exchanger between refrigerant and water and if you get refrigerant into the water loop that automated venting valve would vent that gas that refrigerant out of the water loop and then you have the requirement to connect a venting line to get that to the to the outside so that's that's an option then there is the option of a so-called double walled heat exchanger and as you can imagine that heat exchanger has not only one wall between refrigerant and water but two. So in case one of the walls breaks, let's say the one where the refrigerant is in contact with, then the refrigerant cannot go directly into the water. It goes between these two walls and goes out of the heat exchanger Mm. and that's how you have your safety
0: all right but that would also reduce the efficiency of that heat exchanger wouldn't it
1: you're absolutely right yes Uh, you have two volts so more than the one volt usually that means the heat needs to go through two volts Hmm. and then there is a very tiny small gap between the two volts and that reduces the efficiency compared to a single volt heat exchanger that's that's absolutely correct yes hmm.
0: can we say anything about how much no well, it depends i guess um,
1: yeah that that depends on on certain conditions um but but as you say yes there there is there is an efficiency drop you somehow can argue that you might be able to compensate that a little bit because for example propane is a really good refrigerant has good thermodynamic properties and and that gives you an advantage and then you take that va- advantage away again with the double volt yeah. heat exchanger so maybe that comes back to to the same efficiency again but i don't really have have a number in mind at the moment how much the difference is but we can we could go into details if somebody have a, has a question about that yeah. later on
0: it, it it sounds uh fairly easy you you have a secondary system where you just simply pump water around or are there any complications anything you need to take into consideration uh how does it work?
1: Well, basically it, it is that simple, yeah, you just pump pump code or or warm water around, but as always, the devil is in the details. <laughs> so yeah. uh, um, you have to pay attention that that everything works really good on the water side as well. What I mean by that is, the word hydronic balancing so you mm. need to make sure that all your radiators to stick with with that example house radiators you need to make sure that all your radiators get a sufficient amount of warm water so if you tr- if if you build a system in your house and one of the radiators does not get enough water you never get you cannot warm up that room. You never get enough heat into that room. So that's a big point to make sure that your hydronics on the water side, that they are really, really okay. And, and that, I uh, guess,
0: is, is a question of, of of the right valves. Is that correct?
1: Uh, th- that's, uh, yeah, That that's one major point. I mean, first of all, you need to, to dimension all the components in the right yeah. way. That means, that means, of course, you need to have a pump that that is or has sufficient power to pump that water around in your system. And that means it needs to be dimensioned in the correct way, but the pump alone is not sufficient. You mentioned valves already, and, and that's where the important point is. Let's go back to to that house again. We have the radiators and now we have a pump that is able to pump enough water around and and provides enough pressure to, to overcome all the pressure drops. What could happen now if if the first radiator, the first one would be the one that would be closest to the pump, if that one opens up completely, the radiator valve on that one, most of the flow will of course of course go through that first radiator and not going into the system to to even the last radiator which is the furthest away from the pump so most of the flow will will take the shortcut through the first radiator and the other radiators do not get enough water and that's why there are so called balancing valves and they make sure that all, all the radiators are balanced, that means that they get enough water even, even if the first one is open. So you can adjust these valves and you can make sure that, that all the radiators get enough water. Yeah, I see.
0: Now, I have a tricky question to you, mm-hmm. so pay attention. <laughs> uh, now, we have, we have talked about cooling systems, and we are also talking about radiators that is heating systems. But looking at the the, the valves themselves, the the hydronic balancing valves, that particular valve, would that be the same valve used in a heating system and a cooling system?
1: The the balancing valves themselves in general, yes, in in principle, they, they are the same valves. Because what they need to to do is they need to make sure that that um, your pressure drops are in a way that all your consumers, whether that's a radiator in case of heating, a fan coil for heating or cooling or whatever it is, that they get the right amount of water, and the right amount means um, not too much, and sufficiently enough because the too much might be an issue as well and that doesn't matter whether that is for cooling purposes or for heating purposes. Right, so in, in, in short
0: you could say it's about the pressure, it's not about the temperature, it's, it's about the pressure of that particular water uh, loop
1: yeah and and the pressure drop of course yeah sure because mm. if if you have a very long pipe, that gives you already as much pressure drop as as your first radiator might have, so uh, the water always takes the way of the of the lowest pressure drop, and that's why you need to to adjust here mm. and um may maybe coming back to a cooling example. Um, if you have too much flow in in one of the fan coils for cooling well then then the cold water that goes into the fan coil just rushes through the fan coil and comes cold back to the chiller again, so to avoid that that you have this shortcut you you need to to have these balancing valves but to, um, now it gets a bit more complex there are these balancing valves that you can adjust or you could adjust with a with a manual valve so that all this works fine when when all fan coils are open but the reality is that they are not always open all of them they don't all need cooling all the time so, sometimes a few of them close and that, of course, disturbs the whole system. So, what, what you really need is a valve that is self-adjusting to, to these different conditions. And there are these so-called pressure-independent balancing valves. And these pressure-independent balancing valves, they make sure that whatever um, your pressure ahead of the valve is, they adjust in the right way that every fan coil gets the right amount of water. Not too much because too much will bring back the the water to the chiller too cold, but enough to provide sufficient cooling. Uh, Danfoss ABQMs, they, they are these pressure independent balancing valves. So, they, they really have these two two functions. They, they make sure that it's pressure independent and they make sure that you have the right flow here.
0: All right, yeah, okay, so it's pressure and flow. Yes, okay, again, uh, if we have a, a multi-storage building, high-rise building, uh, there will also be uh, an issue of the uh pressure at least to a certain uh level when you go from say uh the ground floor or maybe even from from the basement to uh, say fourth or fifth floor for instance how does that, um, uh, how does that uh affect the system
1: one main one major point is, of course, that for every 10 meters of height that you add, you add one bar pressure at, at, at or to that system at the lowest point. That means you have a limit, and that limit is given by the maximum pressure your components can can withstand. So if you have components that can hold, let's say, four bar, then your maximum height without any safety would be forty meters. Because mm. at, at down there at at zero meters, the forty meters would give you four bar of, of pressure. So the, the, the general system pressure that is of course strongly influenced by by the height of your building. Yeah yeah sure yeah that sounds logic. And then, uh, yeah. um, j- just to mention that, of course, the pump does not necessarily need to be able to provide all that pressure because you have a closed system. So the water comes back on the other side and the pump needs to be able to overcome the pressure losses in the system and the pressure losses or pressure drops are due to pipes, your fan coils and, and all of that. That's what the pump needs to be able to overcome uh
0: uh-huh. so even though you have a, a, a well a, a, a height difference uh that that says uh, like four bar it's actually in the system only say half or maybe one bar pressure loss so the the, the pump itself would only have to overcome the half or one bar if I get that's, that right
1: that's correct yes huh? because yeah. you have because you have a closed system, yeah. yeah. The water that flows back on the other side mm-hmm. of the building downwards kind of sucks the the water up on yeah, the, yeah. on the upward side. So yeah. the, the pump really needs to overcome the pressure losses or the pressure differences in the system. You're right.
0: Uh, and that's that's a funny thing, by the way. I mean uh in 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 the in the cooling business we we are sort of used to think in in uh different uh, phases uh in 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 liquid and and gas phases uh, Mm -hmm. but with with water it's only one phase so you do have this this slightly different uh dynamic in 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 a, a water system i get it yes
1: You're right, yes, and hopefully it's only one phase in that water system (laughs) then, because if you build a system that has so much pressure drop or cavitation somewhere that you get uh, get vapour, then you have another issue.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then you have a problem, yes, indeed. Okay. Yeah, uh, Jörg, but um, I think let's... Let's take uh, the discussion about the uh, Cascade system another time and uh, let's stop here for now When uh, I, with with the talk about secondary cooling and uh, again, uh, Jörg, thank you so much for your time. It was um, again, as usual, a pleasure to, to have you uh, as a guest here and um, yes, thank you so much for your time, Jörg. Thank you, Jens. Talk to you. Bye. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you for listening in on this podcast, and as usual, let me appeal to you to let us know about topics that you would be interested in hearing a bit more about, or maybe let us know uh, if there are things that you would like us to investigate. Thank you for listening in, and remember to stay cool.